This is the St. Louis All Local Podcast, bringing you the top stories from the KMOX newsroom for this Monday, November 6th. Illinois' assault weapons ban was upheld on appeal last week, but it's not sitting well with people who attended a state police hearing in the Metro East today. I'm Scott Jagow in Caseyville. More than 100 people showed up for the hearing where the ISP fielded a lot of questions about specific types of ammo and attachments and weapons that fall under the new ban. But if you already own one, you just have to register it by the end of the year. However, a lot of the people here feel like that is a slippery slope. You start with registration, and then the state might decide to take your weapons away. Many here believe this law will not pass constitutional muster, and as one person asked, why would an individual register their firearm with the government? As you heard on KMOX, a man's car hit by gunfire while driving east on I-70 early yesterday morning. Now police are connecting the dots with a shooting that happened around the same time going westbound on I-70. John Dickman from Jefferson County had just dropped off his daughter and new son-in-law at Lambert Airport for their honeymoon trip. His car was hit by a stray bullet. police officer told me that, uh, well, he doesn't like to tell people this, but uh, he said do not drive on I-70 at night. St. Louis County Police tell KMOX they believe Dickman's car was likely struck by back-and-forth gunfire between two cars going in the opposite direction around 4.30 a.m. No suspects are known at this time. Stuart McMillan, KMOX News. Just a few issues on the ballot for Tuesday's Election Day. In St. Charles, St. John, and Arnold, there are proposals for a sales tax on recreational marijuana. In Riverview, voters are asked whether the village of Riverview should become a city. Manchester voters will decide whether to annex an area of St. Louis County. Ledoux voters have a sales tax on the ballot for the city's fire department, and in St. Louis City, the Gardenside Special Business District would like to impose a tax. Debbie Monterey, KMOX News. Covering St. Louis City Hall. The city of St. Louis will soon be regulating Airbnb and Verbo rental properties. Mayor Tashar Jones signed two bills into law Monday. Alderman Brett Narayan sponsored both bills. It's rare in, in this body that we see uh, a piece of legislation get tinkered with for five years and get the kind of community input that we received on this. The laws do away with one-night stays and limit the amount of rentals that can be in multifamily buildings. All the new rules will be enacted by the end of 2024. St. Louis Public Schools reveal 20% of its student population is considered homeless. The number determined through multiple intake forums and by federal definition if a child is without fixed, regular, and adequate nighttime residence. Dr. Deirdre Thomas-Murray, the director of Students in Transition at SLPS, says they're working to combat the issue with things like the unique boutique. Students and families can go there to shop for basic needs at no cost. That's making child-centered best interests decisions um, and just giving them the supports that can make their educational process seamless. November is National Homeless Awareness Month. A movie telling the story of longtime KMOX sports director Jack Buck helping a young boy survive begins filming this week. Hollywood crews are in St. Louis and shooting has begun on the film based on the book On Fire, Seven Choices to Ignite a Radically Inspired Life, written by St. Louis native John O'Leary. The movie is going to be brilliant. It's going to touch lives around the world. But one of my favorite parts about it is it, it is an authentic tell of an ordinary St. Louis family story from tragedy into triumph. The film will feature Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Jack Buck and John Corbett as John O'Leary's father. It's based on John, a burned survivor and St. Louisan. Tom Ackerman, KMOX News.
From the KMOX business desk, Clayco announcing it's expanding its St. Louis footprint with 500 new jobs. Clayco has offices in Clayton and Overland and will now renovate a building in Berkeley. Founder Bob Clark. Governor made this easy for us and it was already an easy choice. We love Missouri. We started our company in Missouri 39 years ago. Uh, it's just been a tremendous place to grow our business. Clayco is a real estate development, architecture, engineering and construction firm. Last week, President Biden issued an executive order on artificial intelligence, saying the industry needs guardrails. As part of the KMOX Media Literacy Project, we're taking a look this week at the ways that AI is used now and could be used in the future. And joining us is Julie Smith, author, instructor, and public speaker. Thank you for being with us. Oh, you betcha. I think a lot of people who have not dipped their toes into artificial intelligence are still a little bit apprehensive about this technology. Why should we look toward embracing it? Well, you say that people are nervous about dipping their toes in. What I would say is we already have our toes in it. If we use Alexa, if we use Siri, if we use predictive text on our phones, we are already using artificial intelligence. When we get on our Amazon page or our um, Netflix sign-in page, we are already seeing the results of artificial intelligence because Amazon and Netflix know exactly what we are already interested in. So um, the horse has left the barn, <laughs> for lack of a better term, and we need to understand what this all is and what it means. Um, essentially, at the very basic, AI is just creating computer, computer programs that perform tasks on our behalf, uh, maybe make decisions and solve problems. That's a huge definition, and it, like anything else, it depends on how it's used. When we look at this through a media literacy lens of how we think critically about use of AI, what are some recommendations that you have for us? That's the toughie, because artificial intelligence can create things that look legitimate but aren't, can create things that look real but aren't. And, you know, media literacy is always critically evaluating the media messages that we receive. Now that we're hearing that news organizations and Google, et cetera, are using artificial intelligence to create stories, I think it adds another layer to what needs another tool of what needs to be in our toolbox when we're consuming media, trying to understand what is human generated, what is AI generated, and what difference does that make? I think it's so hard because some AI images you can you can you can spot tell them. yeah you can spot you can them. Tell. you know they're a little fantastical i guess is what i would say six fingers yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know it's going to get more and more sophisticated and even the president was talking about one of the deep fake videos that was made of him and how realistic it can really be right right so you, you'll hear a lot about deep fakes a deep fake video is something that is ai generated visually but then someone can add the voice so it looks like someone famous. There was a famous one of, of Tom Hanks that went viral a couple of weeks ago. It can look like a famous person is saying something when they're actually not. And that makes me nervous when it comes to political campaigns because people could use them um, nefariously. Is there something we can take from something in our past to correlate with how we use artificial intelligence? There was a quote in 1535 from this Swiss scientist named Conrad Gessner. He says, overabundance of information is confusing and harmful. Ordinary people cannot handle so much knowledge. And he was saying that about the printing press. Oh, 
So there's always fear and trepidation about new technology and new media. Um, There's a great quote from the author, Doug Adams. He says, anything that existed in the world when you were born is normal. And anything invented between the ages of 15 and 35 is new and exciting. But anything that's invented after you're 35 is terrifying and against the natural order of things. And I think that's that's where we certainly were with cell phones, with Google, uh, even typewriters. You know, people thought typewriters would kill communication and that calculators would kill math and that, uh, you know, comic books would cause juvenile delinquency. I think it's very natural for us to be apprehensive about new technology, especially new technology that that is getting so much coverage and not all of it is positive. Do you come from the education realm? It seemed like at first that that was the one area that sent up the most red flags, especially when we're talking about maybe high school or college courses. Right, because you can go on many of, and you know, people talk about ChatGPT. Megan, ChatGPT is like the very, very tip of the AI iceberg. There's hundreds of tools And just in our conversation, probably 50 more tools have been designed. So the tools are coming hard and fast. But the big concern, of course, was that students could get online and have ChatGPT or other AI tools basically do their homework for them. And the challenge, I think, for educators is to create new assignments and new ways for students to demonstrate their knowledge that could not and cannot involve AI tools. That's Webster University instructor Julie Smith. Tomorrow, we take an in-depth look at the pros and cons of AI in education. The St. Louis All Local Podcast is produced by the Edward R. Murrow Award-winning KMOX News Team. Subscribe to the All Local wherever you get your favorite podcasts.